Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Joe Lynch, and today's topic is making freight tech sticky with Nick Dangles. Welcome, Nick. Hey, Joe. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. This is long time coming. I've been talking to Nick off and on for quite a bit about doing this podcast, and we're finally getting there. Freight tech is a obviously a hot topic everywhere, and I always think like there's so many uh, discussions that go either over my head or I go, yeah, of course I know that. So I like talking to experts like Nick who are going to straighten things out for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll do my best. I don't, I don't know if I call myself an expert, but I've been in transportation for a long time. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff in the freight tech world, so I'm, I'll give it a shot at least. You are an expert. So anyway, Nick, before we go any further, introduce yourself and your company. Yeah, so my name is Nick Dangles. I am one of the co-founders at Kinetic. And what we do is we help freight tech companies get their products into the world more quickly and with better adoption. See, you are an expert. So... <laughs> <laughs> You turned it around on me. Yeah. Nick, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Yeah. So I live in Chicago right now, but I grew up in Champaign, Illinois. I went to school at the University of Illinois for my undergrad. So I, I'm a, I'm a central. Oh, Illinois that's too partner. close to home. Mom and dad able to visit. Oh yeah. I went home every weekend, had my groceries there. It, it was a little too enabling, but again, I loved it. My parents loved it. I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So you got your undergrad in what? Philosophy, actually. So you can that, imagine what that's the... That's good for freight tech background. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? You can imagine the job prospects on that one. So I actually went to law school and moved up to Chicago in 2005 for law school. I went to Loyola, Chicago. Nice. Practiced for a couple of years. Yeah, and you know... It's a story probably best told over a couple of beers sometime, but okay. uh, the long and short of it is I, I decided it wasn't for me and wanted to make a pretty big career change and get into sales. So I ran into the unique problem of being both underqualified and overqualified for jobs, right? Nobody wants to hire the 29-year-old attorney for their entry-level sales job. So, no, and you probably didn't want half those entry-level sales jobs. No, I mean, the problem at that point is I, I did. I couldn't find anything else. What I ended up doing was selling office supplies door to door. And that was, God, that was a, a uniquely <laughs> miserable and humbling experience. Was that in Chicago? Yep. That was in Chicago. So like I was going to all the office buildings that, that I had previously been visiting as an attorney in my suit. They are trying to sell them paper for quill. And it was just, God, I learned a lot about sales. I learned a lot about myself. And it was, it's an excellent place to cut your teeth. It's another thing that at the time was terrible, but just, right. <laughs> I wouldn't change it. You know, it made a huge impact on me. No, it teaches you to grind. And to your point, you've learned how to sell. You learn how to, again, the day to day grind is important and we all have to learn it. I guess you probably already knew it in law, but it's a, just a little different feel. Yeah. A lot, and a it's lot like, different feel. <laughs> it is. And like my parents listened to these, so I hate saying this, but it was like, I'd never really worked like that before. And I mean, I had, I'd been to law school, I'd done reasonably well in school, I practiced law, but that type of grind where you're just getting out of your car and 
going door to door and the amount of effort you put in makes a huge difference. Like that was new to me. It was just 10 hours a day grinding it out and understanding that effort level really translated well into my career in logistics. So how did you get into logistics? How did you make the transition from the lucrative world of door-to-door sales into logistics? Yeah, I was killing it. <laughs> no, it was, like anybody else, I kind of fell into it. You know, a recruiter hooked me up with a brokerage called Optimal Freight, and that's where I met my friend Ryan. We've known each other for the past 10 years. He, Ryan Schreiber. Ryan Schreiber, the one and only. He comes oh, up on every third podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's he's all over the place. I mean, understandably, he he he's knows a star. he's he's a really good buddy of mine. He got me into freight, so I have him to blame or thank, however you want to interpret that. And yeah, I've been in brokerage for the past ten years, and I always had a great time doing it. You know, I fell in love with the fast pace, the instant gratification, and I luckily found some early success doing it too. So I've, I had a great past ten years. Well, it's a great field. I mean, it doesn't have the glamour of door-to-door sales, but it's still, it's a good field. Things do. (laughs) Yeah. So why did you start Kinetic? So we started Kinetic just recently. And the reason for it kind of revolves around some of the things we've been seeing in our career over the past few years. There's all these freight tech companies doing amazing things and trying to change the industry, but they tend to have some difficulties communicating that to their target audience, the brokers and the carriers out there. Oh, so, yeah. Well, it's not It's not always easy because you're already busy. When you're in a freight brokerage and somebody says, hey, this can make your life better, you're like, oh my God, stop making my life better. I just need <laughs> these loads covered. <laughs> exactly. And it's oftentimes not a priority for them, but it should be, particularly the way the industry is changing and the way the future looks for the industry. So we just wanted to use our network and our industry experience to help bridge that gap for the freight tech companies out there and really like improve the industry as a whole. So let's cover a few of the very basics here for just a second. So we use the term freight tech. What do you mean by freight tech? So freight tech is just technology that caters to the freight industry. Think about your capacity management tools, your TMSs, your tracking apps, et cetera. And it's the equivalent to logistics tech and supply chain tech, whatever right. term you want to use for it. When I think we used to just say my TMS was my techn- technology or my WMS. That was the technology that we were using. But now it seems like that's just a small piece of it. Yeah. I mean, 30 years ago, it was your board with all of your trucks posted on it, right? Right. It's amazing how things change. So we know what freight tech means. What do you mean by sticky? So by sticky, I mean, how well your brand resonates with consumers, how well you're able to drive adoption. Right, right. And Nick, we talked about this offline. If you don't know what sticky is, you know, we don't heard the term very much. We all have lived it. It's the sticky is what Twitter is and what Facebook is or Messenger for some people where you just can't stop using it. And you hear people say, I'm addicted to some of the apps on my phone. And there's a million apps made every year, but very few have the it factor that everybody wants to use. I heard Mark Cuban say this on Shark Tank. He said, there are all these apps made, but how many do you actually use? And I was always like, I think you said seven or eight, and I feel the same way. And that, I mean, we're just talking about phone apps. So that's we, on the consumer side, we feel sticky. We live it. (laughs) Yeah. And you want it to be something that becomes so integral with your consumers that they just can't live without it. Right. Yeah. And it's as soon as you get the whole family on some sort of chat, like Facebook Messenger or whatever, that's it. It's over. You're not going to change because you can't get grandma to move over to whatever the new app is. And so you're just, you're stuck with it. Yeah. And and it's interesting. I noticed after the election where everyone was arguing, I saw on Facebook people saying, 
oh, I don't like Facebook because they did this or that. So I'm moving over to Parler or MeWe or something. I was like, uh, that's not going to work. None of that's going to work. That's not going to happen. But because Facebook has got that sticky factor for a lot of people. Yeah, maybe I'm dating myself. I have no idea what those other two are. <laughs> well, the, I think I think it's related to like this whole free speech thing. Same with Twitter. There's a, some other Twitter blocks some things. So some other people said, "Oh, we're going to move over to this." I forgot what it's called. So there's all oh. these new new apps, and I was thinking, you're just not going to move the critical mass of people over to it. So anyway, I think we've all experienced sticky for sure on the consumer side, but. What about on the business side? That's the challenge. How do we get our technology, whether it's transportation or warehousing or whatever freight tech you're using, to be just as sticky? Yeah, and it comes up in a lot of different ways, you know. And one of the reasons why we started Kinetic is because we just see there being struggles with this. <laughs> right, right. So, so let's talk about some of those struggles, Nick. So talk about the first problem you see in why products don't get sticky. Yeah, so one of the problems is the product development piece, right? And this is a whole rabbit hole we can go into. But just briefly, a lot of the technology out there isn't very easy to use or isn't able to be incorporated into your existing workflows. Think about, like, think about a carrier rep who has six different screens open to accomplish their job, right? Right. It's something clunky. It's clunky. It's, it creates extra work to use it. You want it to be able to easily slot into what they're doing on a day to day so that it's almost, it's seamless. Right. So they don't have that product design that just makes you go, yeah, this is for me. Maybe it's not visually appealing. It's not intuitive. So you're just like, oh, I hate this thing. I have yeah. to do it. That's one of those. I introduced Nick to the term malicious compliance. You use it because your boss said you have to, but you don't, that's not sticky. <laughs> that's the boss made me. <laughs> exactly. And I love the term because, because without that stickiness, I mean, you, even with the malicious compliance, if that's not around, you just revert back to doing things the way you were doing prior to having the technology. Yep. You have to want to use it. Yep. So the first problem is the product doesn't lend itself to being sticky because there's things wrong with it. What's the second problem you see? So the second piece of this is the sales and marketing piece, right? So you obviously need to promote your product in a way that resonates with your target audience and sometimes freight tech companies miss the mark on this. And that can be interpreted in a few different ways. I mean, they tend to misdescribe their product at times. By that, I mean, the way they describe their product just doesn't land with their target audience. And that's attributing to them focusing on what gets them excited, the freight tech company excited, rather than what the, why the buyer should care or right. the pain the buyer is experiencing. Well, and there is, there's always going to be this gap, and it's getting smaller, between mm-hmm. the guys who understand technology, know how to develop technology, and they might be in... At one of these tech centers, these Mountain View, Silicon Valley guys, they more and more are joining forces with guys who are logistics guys. But if you're developing something and you don't come from the logistics background, then I could see where you could miss. Yeah. If you don't have that background, how do you relate to it? Right. Yep. How do you sell something to a brokerage if you don't understand the dynamic of the floor? Yep. Right. It's so unique. You need to have that element of being able to sell to that environment. Right, right. Well, and I think the best companies, I shouldn't say the best companies, a lot of the companies that had some some success have the guys who live and die in freight for many years and then join forces with techies. But 
to your point, sometimes the marketing message can get off because they're saying things that don't resonate with the three PLs and brokers. I think we've all sat through demos where halfway through we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, if I hear API one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> and I don't know how it's going to impact my day to day. That's going to be a separate separate podcast. But Nick, I always feel like yeah, somebody, says, for that one. <laughs> somebody says about APIs, like I say, I need some groceries and I get to get my car washed. Oh, there's we got an API for that. And I was like, oh, Okay, that that could be a right answer as far as I know. I just don't hear the API. Oh, the API does this. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It feels a little magical to me. I know I've had the explanation, but I never feel completely comfortable with that topic just yet. Yeah. Of all the buzzwords out there in tech jargon, that's a... That's a hot one. It's. I have no doubt it's important. It's just, it's, I'm not making fun of anybody. It's my own lack of knowledge. But that's where when you bring a guy like me who's a supply chain logistics guy and bump it up against freight tech, where you go, oh, I know an API is really important, but I'm not sure of the details of it. Right? Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> anyway, Nick, so the first problem that you see out there is the product is clunky, does not necessarily intuitive. The second thing, sometimes the marketing message is off. And, and I've definitely seen that where you feel like in that demo where they're very excited about something that you go, yeah, all softwares like this do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where they say, yeah, and we'll connect you to your carry network. See how easy that you're like, yeah, of course you should. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so what's the third problem you see that causes things to become unsticky? The third piece is really the the customer success and adoption piece. And here there tends to be a struggle to communicate with users why they need to use the product and why adoption is good for that seat level user. You know, the training often focuses on how to use the product in terms of what buttons to click. And that's important. Don't get me wrong. Like You need to know how to use those buttons. But at the same time, you also need to know why you're going to use that product in a way that actually drives buy-in, right? Without that, you end up with all this fancy technology that just is not used to its potential. And it leads to dissatisfied customers who don't renew their contracts. Right. And I've lived this in the past where I've had customers and when I was so working at 3PL and I had customers who would say, I just need the software that was the software that we were providing to them to do this. And I was like, it it does that. (laughs) And they're like, how? And I was like, it's just click here. Oh, and I was thinking to myself, shame on me because I didn't make my customers upset about something that they thought they didn't have. And it was one button. And so sometimes that training and the implementation, the onboarding, whatever you want to call it, gets derailed, gets short shift. I also say this, the big challenge is turnover. When somebody leaves and the new guy gets, you know, the old guy trained you, sometimes something's missed. So, yeah, and very I'm, important. I'll admit I'm guilty of having done this well, and I've done it guilty of having done it poorly, right? <laughs> right. And you always, there's a tendency to blame that seat level user, like, why aren't you using this? Well, is it really on them? Or is it the training that they got from their management team or from the freight tech company to begin with? You know, right. I wouldn't place the blame on the individual user. No, no, not their fault. Again, no. it's not their fault your product didn't get sticky. Yeah, exactly. So, Nick, we just focused a little bit on the problems. And again, one was the product design, potentially not making it sticky. Secondly, the marketing and the messaging might have been a little off and it slowed you down. And then last but not least is the implementation or onboarding, the adoption just was off. So let's talk a little bit about potential ways to solve those problems. So talk a little bit about what we need to do product wise. And again, I know this is a huge topic all by itself. What we need to do product wise to make sure that 
a technology freight tech becomes sticky. So on the product side, like you said, it's a huge topic. But I would specifically bring up that it needs to be intuitive, easy to use, and able to be incorporated into your existing workflows. You can't have somebody needing to click into multiple different screens. You can't create more work for them just to use your product. They're not going to do it, or they're right. very resistant to it. Right. So it needs to be something that is very easy to incorporate into their day to day. Yep. And you know, and and I know, like on the consumer side, we would talk about something going viral. Well, why does it go viral? Because it solves a problem really elegantly. It's something that you go, "Wow, that's perfect. I love it." And it doesn't have a whole bunch of feature bloat. And mm-hmm. Nick, you know, you've probably lived this the same as I have. If to book a load, if it takes multiple screens, you're like, oh, no, 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 it can't, <laughs> right? I have to right. really, I have to find a way to avoid it being something that's clunky. And if I could add one piece to this, Nick, one nice thing that we have in, you know, technology is we can tell where people clicked. So you can see what features they really like and things they seldom or never use. Yeah. So, to your point, the product needs to be something that is easy for somebody to recommend, right? So when somebody starts using it, they go, this is easy. This has made my life much better. I use this and bam, 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 the problem solved. I love it. It's visually appealing. It can't be clunky looking. It has to be something. And again, we can always look to consumer tech. We know what works in the consumer tech because we're addicted to it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can name any number of things that my family can't live without. Yeah, well, you know, I just it, it always comes up lately. But like Lyft, when you when you you're using Lyft to get a ride, look how easy this was. <laughs> like, what did it take me like less than a minute to get a car coming to my house, and then it's sending me the messages five minutes out, two minutes out in your driveway. You're like, damn, how could I ask for a better service than that? Yeah, it's become so incorporated. You feel like you can't live without it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the problem. And then you just talked about the product design again, trying to get it so it's really something people want to use. And we used the term malicious compliance earlier. It's one thing to say, I'm using this because the boss is making me. That is not sticky. (laughs) (laughs) That is, I was told to, it's a condition of my employment. So therefore I'm doing it, right? That's not sticky because what we want is it to be sticky where you say, hey, I've got my customer using it and they love it. You know, because if you're a three PL or broker and your customers, the shippers, say, please get me a seat because I want to use that. Now you're talking, right? Yeah. Now you're cooking with fire. Now you've got something. Now you're going to have customers that are clamoring for it and office after office makes life much easier. Yeah. And that's exactly where you want to end up. So talk about the marketing message. Where does that go astray and how do we fix it? So in terms of fixing the sales and marketing portion of this, It's really about knowing how you're positioning your product, right? Make sure you understand the value that you're bringing to your customers, not just what you think is cool, right? And because those are two very different things. We've all seen websites where we realize the product does something really amazing, but we're not sure how we'd actually use it, you know? (laughs) And that's a very real struggle. You have to be able to convey how your consumer is going to use the product, not just focusing on all the amazing technological things about it. And similarly, the sale itself, you have to sell in a way that makes sense to your audience. You want to have a clear and concise description so that when people have a problem, they think about your company. And you don't want that message to be clouded by a bunch of extraneous, though interesting information. 
Right. And Nick, it's also, you know, technologists are people too. And so they create something that they know is really special, right? And so that's where their focus is like, look at I, what this cool thing we created. No one else has this. But if it's not relevant to the customer and they're not getting excited about it, but you are, that can get into the marketing message where you say, hey, look how great this is. And they're like, that doesn't solve my problem. It might be great. I just don't care. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you said it, I completely understand where they're coming from, right? You've built this thing and you know it's amazing. You know it can do cool things and transform the industry. But when you sell it, you have to focus on what's important to the other party, not necessarily just what's important to you. And it's tough. Right. Nick, not so long ago, I had my good buddy, I grew up with uh, Chip Humans. He uh, is a branding guy. And we did a podcast called The Logistics of Building a Brand. And one of the things that was cool, I, I, my, one of my takeaways from that is he said every brand has to be relevant to the customer. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. So if you say, hey, we have the very best softball team, well, who cares? I don't care about your softball team, right? I'm not buying from you because your softball team it has to be something that matters. So if I say my freight tech is 1% cheaper than the competition, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. 1% is not going to make a big difference. If I say it's 2% faster, still not relevant. You have to find something that is relevant. Secondly, there has to be whatever your brand promises, it has to be ownable. You have to be able to do it. So if it's not owned, if you say make these big promises, but it can't actually deliver, then why say it, right? And then last but not least, and I think this is the real challenge in our business, is differentiating. So a lot of times you'll hear, well, it has this visibility tool. You're like, yeah. I think everything does, right? And I think there's not all visibility tools are created equal, but everybody says, yeah, we have visibility within our whatever technology. Great, but that's not really differentiating unless you can say my visibility is night and day better. Yeah, and there's, like, these are some conversations we've had with tech companies over the past several months here. I mean, there's tons of different tracking companies out there. What sets yours apart? If there's something that sets it apart, don't bury that. Like, don't bury the lead. Right. I, I remember vividly having a conversation with a company months ago, and turns out they do have a really cool little twist to their product that makes it valuable. But to get to that, we spent 20 minutes going through just the basics of what they did. Right. Right. So, yeah, so you have to have that, again, you to get that message. So, again, it's got to be relevant to the customer. It's got to be differentiating, and you have to be able to own it. And, you know, I think some of the challenges is, you know, we're talking about something that is somewhat basic, booking a shipment or tracking a shipment, you know, maybe some warehousing. To come up with a feature or something that makes you different is challenging, but definitely worth the trip. Because if you have something that is differentiated and that matters to your customer, Boy, you're going to be a lot easier selling it. Oh, yeah. It's hugely important. So last but not least, talk about how freight tech companies can make their product more sticky by proper implementation and onboarding, get that customer success rolling. Yeah, this is a really big part of the stickiness, right? And probably what a lot of people think of automatically when they hear sticky. This is driving adoption at the seat level and really getting buy-in for the product. And for this You have to, the training specifically has to focus on why seat level users should use the product. Like what's in it for them and how they incorporate it into their daily workflows. Not just click these buttons and this happens, right? Like that (laughs) doesn't, (laughs) that's what a lot of it is. And don't get me wrong, you need to know what buttons to click. It's important. But you also need to know why you're clicking those and what value it's going to bring to you on a daily basis. Yep. And Nick, I remember the first time 
this goes way, way back, but I remember the first time looking at DAT. I was, I got a, <laughs> I bought, I've got our office DAT and I was like, I am going to find a truck for that lane that we can never find a truck. And I remember finding a carrier that did that lane every day, had a whole bunch of trucks in that lane every day. And I was like, it was like nirvana. I couldn't believe it. It was just such a cool thing because prior to that, what we were doing is making a whole bunch of phone calls in the office saying, do you serve this lane? Would you pick this up? And we couldn't get cost competitive in that lane because we didn't have anyone to play with. <laughs> so we, when, when we got that debt, it was like, wow, pretty cool. And, you know, and I got to think people are feeling the same way when they go over like sonar or some of these new tools where you go, yeah, all of a sudden it's like the world opens up, right? Yeah, and that like that's what you want. You want the world to open up to people and you want them to you want them to actually see that. If you're not training them in a way that illustrates that, that's a problem. Right. Right. You give me freight flashbacks going through the calling carriers trying to find a truck. <laughs> I'm going to have freight nightmares tonight. Right. So some other things, this is just my own experience. When you're implementing these projects, I always feel like sometimes you can sell the guy at the top or the you know, vice president of logistics on something or whoever made the decision, and they didn't necessarily sell it to their team or involve their team in the discussion. Usually they would, but there's always going to be somebody who didn't get brought into the decision-making. And to some extent, sometimes you can find people who got a little bit of hurt feelings because of that, almost like a lack of respect. Like, I'm the one using it every day. Why wasn't I consulted? And I think it's really important for freight tech companies to get in. And In a lot of ways, you got to sell. Even the guys who didn't necessarily get to make the decision, you got to bring them in because they're the ones who are going to use it. So you can't stop selling. Yeah, exactly. You can't just sell to a CEO and expect everybody just to get buy-in like that, right? There has to be involvement throughout the organization. Yeah. I've lived this in the past where the big boss makes a decision, but if the guys on the dock decide I'm not doing it or I don't like these guys, I want to go back to the old guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> they can undermine it. And the big boss, he trusts those guys. So that's why they're there. <laughs> so if they say, yeah, the new guy sucks, we should go back to the old one. Look out. <laughs> yeah. And like that's, that's a huge pitfall to avoid. And you just need to drive your message throughout the organization. Yep. So Nick, so speak to a few other things. So when we're talking about implementations, this is a hot button for me. I always feel strongly that this is a really, these implementations are really important. And I know the freight brokers and transportation companies are crazy busy. Warehousing, whatever kind of freight tech you're selling, they're crazy busy. They Mm -hmm. don't want to spend a lot of time training and onboarding and orientation. But if they don't get the proper onboarding, it doesn't work right. And I feel like sometimes we listen to them too much and say, we're not going to make a big deal of this. And so I think you, you really need to treat it like a project. You need a project manager and a sponsor and say, here's the work plan. Here's how we're going to make sure everybody in the organization has the proper password, training, et cetera. Speak to that. I mean, I think the change management portion that you just described is integral to the success of any technology that you onboard or any really any change that you implement in your organization. You have to, just like you said, treat it like a project. Make it a big deal. You know, it's not just a fly-by-night, hey, we have this new technology, here you go, let's see what happens, let's train you once, and then just drop it. I mean, it needs to be coached, needs to be managed by an individual. Yep. And I remember using transportation management systems. And when I remember implementing it, you know, multiple offices, dozens of offices across the country with our customers and saying, when you're ready to book your first shipment, call us, we'll walk you through it. We'll do it together. 
And, you know, some people are like, oh, no, I'll just do it myself. And then they wouldn't use it. And, you know, there's this constant selling, coddling, <laughs> controlling, and then you call the boss, you know, <laughs> and get him involved. But ideally, you get everybody. And when you get the boss involved, it's not sticky. <laughs> you want to create something that they go instantly like, hey, you know what? Nick showed me this. This is going to make my life a lot easier. Not mm-hmm. Nick called my boss and making me do it. I do this all day. We you need a sponsor. Sometimes malicious compliance is all you can have. But ideally, we time out. We want sticky. Yeah, I mean, another route is just giving them no choice, right? That's the <laughs> well, that's kind of the counterpart to the malicious compliance, right? <laughs> if you literally have no choice, if the only way to accomplish this task that you want to accomplish is to click this new button, and there's just no other way to do it, right? That works. Yep. Right. No, no, I remember, you know, working with an automotive, implementing a lot of different softwares, and we would put a part of the workflow. So you'd say, hey, January 1st, you need to start using the system. And then, you know, 80% would start using it. And then you send another note, January 15th, it's the only way you can do the project. You know, the only way you can buy new parts is through this tool. And you take yeah. away the other avenues. And again, that's not exactly what we're talking about here. That's forced. And what we want is we want them to go, yeah, I love this. Because what we're talking about also is for the three PLs and brokers to like it, that means their customers like it and they want to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I would qualify the forced thing. It is forced, but it's also, it ties into the working it into the existing workflows, Right. right? As long as it naturally slots in, it may be forced to a degree, but at the same time, this is the natural progression of your workflow. Right, right. I mean, we're well, not it, maliciously forcing you to do it. It's right. just the only option you've got. Yeah, and I think also, once you're using something, if you say, hey, this is pretty slick, I like it, even if you felt like I didn't have a choice, it becomes a habit, and that's good too. Yeah. So this is good stuff, Nick. So give us a summary on this. <laughs> this is a big topic. Give us a For quick sure. summary on this. No, I'd be happy to. So we've talked a lot about tech companies and stickiness. So... For them to really drive that, they need to understand their target audience and sell and position their product in a way that resonates with them first. And second, once implemented, they need to make sure that these seat-level employees understand their product in a way that actually ensures buy-in. Those, like, those are my two big takeaways from this. Yep. No, I love it. I love it. So, Nick, this is a great topic. Before you go, tell us a little bit about what's going on over at Kinetic. Yeah, so Joe... We mentioned it briefly earlier, but we're helping freight tech companies get their products into the world faster and with better adoption. There's value in having people with our experience and our network help validate your product market fit, sell your product to transportation companies, and also ensure that your product's being used as intended by these seat-level employees. So that's Kinetic in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, you guys having the knowledge you do have of the freight tech space is very helpful. And then, you know, having your kind of finger on the pulse of what everyone's using and what's working and what's out there is very helpful. And I think it's especially helpful for companies who are maybe not born and raised in the freight business. If you're more of a tech company that says, hey, how do I how do I get to know this industry? You guys are really good guys to know. Yeah. And it's something that we think the industry needs. We really want transportation to move forward, right? And to raise up to the level of other industries. And our underlying goal is really just to help with that. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Nick. It's been great. Yeah, Joe, I had a great time. Thanks a ton for having me on the show. And if anybody wants to reach out to us, feel free to give me a shout on LinkedIn or check us out at poweredbykinetic.com. Yep. I'll put a link to your website and a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. 
Oh, that'd be great. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thanks again, Nick. And thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Your continued support's very much appreciated. Till next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 